Hey everybody, what's going on? This is AJ and this is the conclusion of the Dive Media special presentation. Our roundtable discussion centered around racial prejudice and injustice. Thank you all for rocking with us through to the end. I uh, hope you enjoy this last episode, this conclusion. All of our hosts participated and um, gave their part and shared their thoughts. So again, please enjoy this conclusion episode where we try to end on a you know kingdom-centric biblical note. And again, please support us in what we're doing, divemedia.co. And without further ado, enjoy. We live life with our own prejudices. God saying they is, we say that they isn't. How you living? Ooh, now you listen. Can't see the kingdom with these isms. We live life with our own prejudices. God saying they is, we say that they isn't. How you living? How you living? These isms. Why don't we let us? All right, so um, as we kind of come down the home stretch here, you know, and kind of ended on more of a you know, kingdom-centric um, perspective. I want to just talk about the last couple of topics here. Um, one being, is social justice really God's justice? Uh-oh. And again, I, we, we are equal opportunity employer in here, so everybody can get it, unfortunately. So y'all thought we were just going to come for the conservative evangelicals. No, everybody can get it. Everybody can get it. When you walk in the kingdom, everybody can get it. Um, but... The scripture that I'm using to sort of launch from is in Acts chapter 1. In Acts chapter 1, this is after Christ resurrects and he's with the disciples and, and he's with them for another 40 days, right? And y'all know he's doing miracles and if y'all want to get real crazy, it was dead folks walking around Jerusalem. You can go read that in the scriptures because it says that everybody who rose with him was just chilling in Jerusalem. Saints don't want to talk about that. But anyway. And they ask him in chapter one, um, it's like right around verse six, they're like, Lord, will the kingdom be given back to Israel? Did you come to give the kingdom back to Israel? And he just sidesteps that joint. He's like, yeah, I ain't really here for that. You will be witnesses <laughs> of mine, you know, and, 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 and he begins to proceed into what they will do. Never truly even getting into the whole give us back the kingdom question, because that again, as we talk about the mindset of oppressed people, oppressed people want to have some power because they're oppressed, right? And there's this guy who was a carpenter's son and he was crucified and he resurrected. And now he's back walking around with him. And so they figure, oh, this is Neo from the Matrix. We, we about to get the kingdom back now, right? So they proceed to ask him. Are you going to remove us from this Roman oppression, right? Are you going to remove us from this Roman occupation? Is that why you're here? Just let us know if you, if, did you come to get grizzly with it? Because we with it. For those of you who know, historically, that's why Judas Iscariot wasn't riding with him no more because he was a zealot, which was, was a political ideology that thought that the Messiah was there to tear down the Roman Empire and bring it back. And that's not what Christ came for. And so I'm using that as an example to sort of fast forward us into 2020. And if we are people who walk with God and you see God's 
you know, the the way in which God has administered justice historically, biblically, is everything that we are ascribing to uh, social justice. And, um, you know, is is that necessarily God's justice? Do we think that that's the way God wants to fully administer justice in, in 2020? What are, you, what are you guys' thoughts on that? I always think about the fact that um, the Lord hates unjust weights and balances, right? Like, like let's just be clear about that. When you have um, laws that are, um, uh, when certain people are held to uh, one standard with certain laws and other people are held to a different standard with certain laws, which is what we see in our justice system a lot of times, two different people, depending upon the hue of their skin, will have two different outcomes. Um, and so like that, that just, if you want to talk about the injustice that comes just from that particular perspective, that that's in the criminal justice system, housing systems, where you'll allow uh, certain individuals uh, to have certain privileges and advantages as it pertains to housing and et cetera, um, that, that unjust weight and balances that the Lord hates that. Um, you, you go from institution to institution, wherever you have an inequitable treatment um, that is, is um, just, it's, it's unequal. You're, you're using the different measures. And King talked about that in his letter uh, to Birmingham, like, you know, with civil disobedience and things like that. You know, it's just like you have to look at the equity of a law. Um, sometimes it's the uh, what is the law itself. And then sometimes it's the way the law is administered. Um, and either way, whether it's inherent in the law itself or the way the law is administered, when there's inequities in there, that's an unjust weight and balance. And God hates that. So it, to the extent that all of our our focus and push is to emphasize we want just weights and balances, I think it is God's agenda. And I think to add to that, um, that scale um, analogy, um, again, we're still talking about history with black people, um, that scale of justice, so to speak, where we're literally looking at Lady Liberty, as has been coined, um, as you look on the Western civilization scale of justice with a white female, you'll see, and you, I mean, we can Google this right now, those scales are not balanced. Um, and this, this starts to play into the symbolism. And where I'm going with this is, um, well, where on the, the level of divinity and as believers and as, as we have grown to be Christians and believers, where is our balance when we're processing justice? Because um, now we're going back into the historical text of, of Scripture and, um, you know, so I'm, I'm just going to touch on the Ten Commandments as an example, um, because a lot of what we perceive to be balance and justice uh, comes from our understanding of commandments and laws that have been given to, to people to live and to adhere to. So it's like, well, well, how how did that scale get interpreted and, and become offsetting to where we actually have statues in, in symbolic uh, um, figures, so to speak, and, 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 and statuettes where those scales are imbalanced. And my research has taken me, and this is my understanding, that not only are the Ten Commandments incomplete regarding uh, how our creator sees justice, and historically it's like, well, Mikhail, what are you saying? Well, those Ten Commandments were actually taken by Europeans 
from the 42 admonitions of Ma'at. There are actually 42, uh, I don't want to call them laws. I'm not trying to put words in our creator's mouth. And, you know, say, what were you thinking when you did that? But no, but there was so much more sophistication to how this thing was supposed to work with us being human beings and, and maintaining our environment and reproducing ourselves and, and showing equal functional respect, African man, African woman. There were actually 42 um, regarding justice and the scales of Ma'at, which now, why did I bring up those statues? Because if you go and look at the scales of Ma'at, those scales are balanced. Our African ancestors, we, we never functioned outside of the scope of balance and godly justice. Um, but it wasn't until those things were actually manipulated. And they said, okay, well, we're going to take this one here. Let's take uh, principle 17. Well, I like how 28 sounds. And we're going to build a civilization and, and teach people that this is a righteous way of living. So let me ask another question. Oh, unless somebody else wanted to jump on that before we transition. I just, I just got a statement, bro. I, that's my first time hearing about the 42 rules, man. I gotta, so I got I to gotta research that. Well, I'm not going to get into the Bible's accuracy. That's not the point of this conversation. Um, but I definitely do want to touch on a couple other things before we um, wrap up tonight. Again, thank you guys for rolling along with me tonight. Um, in Matthew 24, it talks about how nation will rise against nation. And uh, hey. I want to, you know, that 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 word is um, ethnos, right? Ethnos will rise against ethnos. And the reason I, I like to, um, you know, define that word as ethnos is <clears throat> one of the wonderful things about the, the scriptures that I, I appreciate is that it goes back to the beginning. Um, it doesn't kind of arbitrarily start somewhere. And um, and so I've you know for those of you who listened to me on ATI before I've I've made this statement that my faith predates um, you know most earth cult most earthly cultures because if you talk about you know I think Demario you mentioned it in the beginning God created humankind I mean because if you look up that word God let's make man our image he's talking about humankind in our image what culture were they right <laughs> were they Hebrew no. Uh, was he, you know, was he African? Probably not. Not in the way we think African, right? Um, was he European? Definitely not. All of those things, like our our faith sort of predates um, earthly culture. So it, it gives me sort of solace. And so now here we are in 2020 and Christ says to the disciples in Matthew, nation will rise against nation because we're going to use our ethnicity as a way to divide ourselves and war with one another. And I, me personally, I'm you know just share my personal view and then I want to get you guys thoughts on it is that I don't think the world has a way to get out of that. Um, but it, it says that the, the world shall come to the house of Jacob and see that they have turned their swords into plowshares and they will ask like, how did you do what you do? Um, and I figure that the only answer for the, the culture is to see that remnant that Dale was talking about earlier, to see the remnant of God, to do that, whether that's integrating our lives together, truly walking in love, putting down weapons of war. That's what the swords represent and converting them into weapons of building, 
when he says that they turn their swords into plowshares, that means that they have turned weapons of war into weapons of building and cultivating. Um, that I think can only be truly put on be put on display by by the people of God. So, what are your thoughts on that? Are we in a place where we are walking or living, existing, so to speak, in the nation rising against nation, nation fighting against nation? I would say yes. Um, this is why I say that when you look at the Bible, the the entire complete context of the Bible where we were saying earlier in part one that the church has become so, uh, what's the word? I'm, I'm saying incompatible, like that they're not they're not very useful. Relevant. Relevant, thank you, relevant. Because Dr. King said that himself in the Birmingham letter. He said his concern was that the church is going to be very become very irrelevant and lose a lot of power. In connect, I say that in connection to your question of are we in this nation versus nation thing, the Bible is not about a religion. God's intention was never to create a religion. Is and He does the Bible. The Genesis doesn't start with religion, and Revelation doesn't start with religion. Ends with religion. It starts with a nation, God's kingdom, country, a territory uh, where there is a that has a group of people who live according to His nature and His character, and then it ends there as well. Um, people who are separated people. You have the people who are sitting on thrones in the, in, in revelation. And then you have people obviously who didn't get there where, you know, it's, it's, you know, traditionally said, Oh, they're in hell. Nation versus nation, nation versus nation is, it's like the English. Like they say the English language is the hardest language in the world because one word can mean three different things. And so in context, you have to understand what term when you say nation versus nation means you, it could be system versus system, right? Nation could be Democrats, nation could be Republicans. Then you could also have uh, Baptist versus Pentecostal, that nation versus this nation. And so I do think that we are in a time, and I think that is the whole point. The whole point is there is a nation that we're having nation or, or systems going against each other, and that's the prophecy in, in, in uh, was it Israel, not, not Israel, the prophet who talked about the rocks. The rock and the clay. I'm hungry. <laughs> ne- Nehemiah? Old Testament. No, I wasn't Nehemiah. It, it was the prophet. Elijah? Who dreamt about the rock? Yeah, so he interprets So he interprets yeah. that there's cl- the body, the statue's made of clay. Daniel. It's made of iron. Daniel. Oh, Daniel. 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 Okay. There we go, black folk. All right, so. Um, <laughs> but to answer your question, I think the whole Bible starts there and it ends there. The, we are going to always be in a system versus a system, and the whole point of the Bible is to end the way. What system is going to outlast every other system? And, and our function to redeem the systems that we're able to redeem right. um, as kingdom citizens on the planet. If we're able to to redeem a system in terms of bringing it un, into kingdom understanding, yep. then we ought to do that. You, um, you got. I think what you're saying is realize what system was made by God to be redeemed and what systems are not. Yeah. Oh, that's in it right here, guys. I'm, I'm not trying to go too long. I, I don't want to be long-winded, but I remember calling my wife up one time. I saw a video of um, uh, um, there's an organization, very well known, the Organization for Gay Rights. They had the peace sign, the, the two lines on top of each other, yellow and blue. And I saw they uh, uh, and they brought in their new president, a black male, and he was making this speech. I'm listening to it. I'm like, yo, this dude is speaking with so much conviction. 
he was speaking with so much conviction. It reminded me of our mentor, Dr. Miles Monroe. And I, Dr. Monroe spoke with so much conviction. I'm like, conviction. I'm like, dude, how do you preach the kingdom? How do you share the kingdom with a guy who has that much conviction? And it broke my heart because I'm like, what's the point? What's the point of going out there and sharing this news if you're going to meet somebody with that much conviction about gay rights and gay culture? And then talking to my wife about it, I came to realize that God helped me to see is that it's not about you. Everybody's not going to you're not going to convince everybody right. about God. You're not going to convince everybody about you're not going to convince every Christian that the Bible is not about a religion. But you have to realize that what the prophecy was about is that at, the end of the, at some point in humanity's existence, humanity will become so empty, like they will have no more ideas that could contradict God's system. And that's when the world will realize that the God has his own system because his system cannot be broken. It cannot be outlasted by anything else. I'm done. Go ahead, Eva. Yeah. Yeah, you just you brought up uh, the issue of whether nation is rising up against nation now, and um, that's been happening all this time. And I think someone mentioned historically every generation. Our your, your triple great grandmother. When I do when I do my DNA test and I look at somebody born two hundred years ago, that person looked around and said, "Okay, nation is rising up against nation." So it happens over the course of time, uh, which is why we might not want to look at those signs as the beginning of the end, because I think we're called to do what we're called to do within our particular lifespan. Um, there was something that Tina said, though, that uh, reminded me when it comes to justice, because Tina, you were answering a question regarding justice, and how do you get justice in a way that's biblical? And some of the people, especially our, you know, melanin deficient siblings, some people have actually said, um, well, uh, if you are a sinner, then you should not be asking for justice. If you're someone who sins against God or who has ever sinned, you shouldn't be asking for justice of this country because if God uh, issued justice against you, you would be dead or you'd be in hell roasting someplace. And the thing is, is that, you know, yanking scripture out of context is, is what this is, because when it comes to the, the mercy and the grace that we received, it's salvific. It's about salvation. It's not about the way that we walk day in and day out. As someone said earlier, when you look at the way that God, the fact that God hated imbalanced or unbalanced weights and measures, this is in our lifespan. This is in how we deal with each other. God does pass judgment on the way that human beings deal with each other. And it's really unfortunate when we are undermined, when situations like these come up uh, by somebody who says, see, it, look, be quiet, because if you talk about justice, God might zap you because you don't deserve his mercy or his grace anyway. And that also brings up the issue of the commandments. Somebody brought up commandments a little bit earlier. And um, when it comes to the commandments, we as a people, we don't like we're, we're taught that the commandments were done away with. So, of course, you know, we're not looking at the commandments. This is not right. Of course, Christ followed the commandments and the people of the, Old, the New Testament observe the commandments. But for some reason now we're told that they're done away with. So that might speak to the environment that we live in where people will claim to be of faith, but then their actions won't uh, demonstrate that. Yeah, and I just <clears throat> I just want to contextualize something about uh, the commandments and that. So it's my understanding that there is not ten commandments uh, 
uh, Ten Commandments that we talk about from the from the specific passage in Exodus, but there's actually 613 commandments in the Tanakh, which is the Old Testament Hebrew Bible or whatever. And then as far as like Ma'at, Ma'at is actually, and McCall, you can correct me if I'm mistaken, but Ma'at is the consort to Thoth. Is that correct? Or Tahuti? I'll, I'll double check that. Uh, that sounds, we're, we're still speaking in the same context. Absolutely. Okay. Right. And so it is my understanding that that those, those, that those, those teachings stem from Kemet, correct? They come from Kemet, correct? Yeah. Yes. Right. Kemet in the Nile Valley uh, civilization is the, and to, according to archaeological information and what we have uh, regarding history of text, and civilization, all of those principles, and um, I'd encourage anybody to look this up. Uh, this is definitely a fact check point, but all of those things that you're speaking about, Avery, uh, are tied to the Nile Valley civilization, which is the, the ancient land of Kemet. Okay, great. And so I just wanted to say that Kemet is also referenced in the Bible. Uh, Kemet is Ham. Ham is Kemet. And Ham is uh, one of the sons of um, Noah, or Noah. Noah has Shem, Ham, and Yepheth. Ham is Kemet. And Kemet had Mizram, Cush, Foot, and Canaan, as far as his children. And so those teachings, and this is just my understanding, but many of those teachings come from the line of, the line of Ham. Um, and the 613 commandments come from the line of Shem. Uh, and so they're like distant cousins, but I just wanted to contextualize some of what you were saying. Okay. All right. So let's. I don't know if that helped, Marvin. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, because that could that could hey, take hey, us hey, into hey, a hey, not. I want to try to cause controversy, man. No, no, you're not causing that... controversy. That may be. Yeah, not causing controversy. I just, just want to make sure I heard my brother say 42, and then we in the Bible we got 10, and I, you know, I mean, and I give my sister a, um, Eva saying, sorry, Eva was saying like. When you go to church, and if we're not following that, you should still be preaching the Old Testament. They should they should just keep it in the New Testament. We still have pastors preaching in the Old Testament. Ten Commandments is in the Old Testament. So that, look, just, folks, know, folks can't even follow the ten. Don't even worry about the forty-two or the six hundred and thirteen. Let's get to the ten. Let's honor the ten, <laughs> and then then we can talk about the other stuff. <laughs> I mean, there I think go. to yeah, and listen for those listening. This that that may be roundtable number two. I. There are a couple of resources that I would love to, you know, I may put up on the uh, website for you guys to read, but um, the the validity or lack thereof of the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament, uh, you know, the subsequent New Testament has something that's been in debate for the last two thousand years, and um, the there are ha there are dozens of reasons why I could refute um, those points, but that's not necessarily the basis of this discussion. Um, though I do appreciate Avery and um, Mikhail's points because I, I, I think that it is it's incumbent upon people who say that they walk with God to study and research. And that's what people don't do. That's what Paul instructs Timothy to do. That's what Paul even says about the Bereans, that the Bereans received the word that he preached. But then they went back to study the scriptures to see if that be true. I think that the miraculous work that God does in the heart of people, many times you'll see in scripture is tied to their desire to want to research and search things out. It says in the, um, 
There's, a, there's another passage in the Old Testament that says that it is the nature of God to conceal a thing, right? But it is the nature of kings to search it out. And so I think that there is a a desire in us that is God-driven to search things out um, and to not just sit back and be spoon-fed um, milk. You know, that's why you got grown men with gray beards not the two brothers I'm talking about on the on the round table, but <laughs> other men who who got milk stains on their gray beards because they're still sitting back as grown men being fed milk. I think we need to be people who who research uh, the scripture. I mean, because if we're talking about the Nile River Valley civilization, in the book of Acts, you have an Ethiopian eunuch who's talking to the apostle Philip, and there and he's well versed in the Old Testament Hebrew Bible, which speaks to the fact that there were people who walked in the faith of the Bible in that civilization. Again, so we could go on and on and on, but I don't want to divert from the topic of at, at hand, which is the nature of which God is is doing in this particular country through us. Right. I don't consider those people any greater than us because we are here as well. Correct. And that's why I, I don't get excited about Hebrew culture, because if Jesus showed up in 2020, he'd be talking English. So it's just happens to be the language that was spoken in the place where he showed up in that point in time. But he exists outside of time. Right. So with that being said, I want to wrap here with this last question or topic, so to speak. And that is, how do we how do we put, you know, racism you know, prejudice, you know, racial prejudice, et cetera, et cetera, in its proper perspective, right? Because a lot of times in our minds, we have a hierarchy of sin. We shouldn't, but we do as human beings, right? We have a hierarchy and we'll say, like I was just, my wife and I, we were just talking about this last night. We And it's funny that you guys just, it's, it's interesting that you guys just bring up the, the Ten Commandments. Do you know in those Ten Commandments that Moses walks down with Mount Sinai with the stone tablets, in that list, he equates murder with coveting your neighbor's wife. Like, now, in my mind, that ain't the same level. In my mind, I say, well, you know, the brother needs to just, you know, he, he leave his wife alone. But in God's eyes, he would say, in one breath, don't kill nobody. And then the next breath, oh, and don't covet your neighbor's wife. You would think, whoa, whoa, God, hold, time out. Them, think, them two things can't be on the same level. They literally cannot be in the same sentence. So with that being said, the way we look at racism, right, we'll say, oh, well, you know, them two jokers over there just shacking up a little bit. But this Bama is racist, though. Hold on. How do we not do that? As people who say we walk with God, and I'm not saying that you guys do that, but we all know people that, that do that. How do we not fall into that trap of saying that someone who exhibits racial prejudice is the worst of the worst of the worst? How do we not fall prey to that? Well, do you think that God, when, when God outlines things that he hates, if he doesn't say that he hates every every sin, like what what does that mean? I guess biblically, when the Lord says these six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him, right? Um, I I'd, I'd posit, well, what does that mean that the Lord has distinguished certain sins already, or like even in the New Testament when he talks about you know every sin that you know someone com uh, every other sin that someone commits, you know, um, it, it's it's separated or differentiated from I think what is it adultery. 
or something like that. Like, you know, when you commit that sin, you're committing it, you know, it, it, it did have a different, a, a differentiation to it. Um, so I, I think that that's, I think that's a question uh, there, and and you indicated like the covet and the and the murder. I I think that that's uh, you know in the you know in the New Testament even like when you talk about to be angry like with your brother you know to to you know to a certain extent it's the same thing as murder right? But you know I watch too many of these ID channel crime shows, but it's like that coveting does tend to often lead to murder, right? <laughs> I mean that, that's like the essence of it's always a spouse, right? Like that's just like a proverbial like when somebody dies and they're married or in a relationship it's just you know who you're looking at first is the killer is is the, is the spouse of that coming you know just to just deposit that you know who knows maybe that's not not the way in which to, to look at it but um you know i i do think it is like you know with racism and not putting it up too high i i do think it's worth a, an exploration probably of the bible to see why the lord calls certain things out in the way that he does like you know certain things are abomination you know why isn't every you know foul an abomination but maybe in the new testament we could say you know look at and say if you've sinned against one you know you've you've uh transgressed in all of them right right so um i know that doesn't necessarily answer your question but just putting in some of the biblical text to to shape the conversation uh, um is is what i wanted to do so what i, I get from challenge. that is uh covetousness is the starter drug is that what you're saying <laughs> it's the gateway it's the gateway <laughs> it's the gateway I'm drug just, <laughs> And that's what married with secrets and uh, dateline seems to suggest. <laughs> Remember solve mysteries, dun dun dun. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think the challenge you pose though is is worthwhile. You know, as people who claim to believe the Bible, um, we should think about you know our own lifestyles. Um, not that we negate the ways that we've sinned because of the fact that. Uh, or not that we negate anything that anybody does, including racism, but just how we approach people who have sinned against us and have sinned against God. I think that it's worth at least thinking about. It doesn't make it anything. It doesn't make it something that is is a uh, light or or not as bad as as it is. Or it doesn't cease to be generational just because we consider it that way. But it's just important for us to realize that yes, God did extend grace to us, um, uh, ultimately, because we're still walking the earth. And, uh, and you know, just the way that we approach people who have severe blind spots and who are proud of their blind spots, it's really difficult. You know, some of us need not have those types of conversations with certain people, me included. You know, sometimes like there, it's best for me not to be in conversation with someone and just pray from a distance or something like that, um, because there's some people who really grind grind it in and, and they're just so ignorant uh, that it's just difficult to engage them. But yeah, it's 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 good to at least consider uh, racism a sin similar to other sins uh, so that we don't consider it l- more lightly or more heavily than we should. Mm, that's good. I like that. Um, I love this question. I love everything I've heard so far. I think that's something that's important. And I'm speaking from a, 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 a study that I'm doing right now, I'm actually learning about how to interpret, right? And um, I think one of the things I'm learning is that interpretation, we, we interpret what interpretation means wrong. Um, is So what I mean is this, we can look at a conversation that was 20 years ago or 150 years ago, and the way they use the word cool or cold was is completely different 
from how we use the word cool or cold now, right? A hundred years ago, we talking about weather. Now, if I say cold to whatever, George, George Washington, he think I'm talking about weather. I'm talking about no, Jordans. I'm saying it's a cold. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when we look at the King James Version Bible or the NIV or the Amplified, I think it's important to not so much of what is the word, but the principle of the definition of the context. I know that was convoluted with a bunch of big words, but anyway, um, I'm saying all that to say is that racism is a sin. And we look at why, what's, what the principle of sin is. I think there are two things that create the death, the principle of sin It's an idea of lack, right? I believe people sin because they believe that they lack and they do something in no matter at any cost to uh, provide for themselves. And then the result of that, like how you guys said, uh, uh, adultery can lead predominantly leads to murder is when you start believing that idea of lack, it ultimately will lead you to dominating someone else. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the principle of sin. And that's the principle, the construct of racism is I have to elevate myself in my mental state. It's a mental illness Sin is mental illness, right? It's not just the, it's not the activity. It's a mental illness. You have a mental uh, failure in how you process yourself in this, in life. And when you um, accept that mental illness, that idea is what I mean by that. You ultimately will end up doing something at the cost, at the cost of someone else. And that's what racism really is. It's you saying, I look at myself and, I, and I'm going to say, based just the base upon the physical appearance of me, I have blue eyes and blonde hair. I'm going to elevate myself above you just so that I can obtain what I want, what I feel like I lack. And I think if we if we're processing sin through that lens of um, of dom of lack, which leads to domination, then we do start to put sin. Um, it starts to level out. One is not this, you know, horrible thing. And this other one is, well, I wanna, we can get away with that one, you know. AJ, I think one of my issues um, may not necessarily be making racism this huge sin that's bigger than all these other sins. I think just in the sphere of influence that I'm in, um, I'm surrounded by quite a bit of our non-melanated brothers and sisters, as Eve said, um, it's getting people to realize first that racism is a sin, first of all. Like whether, like I'm not necessarily trying to say it's larger than this or it's bigger than that and this, that, or third, but the fact that A, it exists and act that, and, and two, that it's a problem. Um, and so I feel like it's the same as a picture on your camera. If you can't quite see it, you've got to zoom in. And so I'm finding myself having to enlarge the picture and zoom in on the fact that this is a problem, that God does not support this. And so it may seem like me and all the other black people that are in my circle of influence are trying to make this thing like it's a big deal or it's the biggest thing on God's mind. Um, but I think that there are just a lot of people out there who don't see it as a problem in the first place. They don't even recognize it as sin. Um, I know a lot of people that trump abortion over racism. And I believe, you know, if you are pro-life or an embryo, why can't you be pro-life or a fully developed black man? Mm. You know, under under racism is a lot of sins, like killing, um, raping, um, discrimination. So it has to be put at a high level because you have racism and then you have 
so many sins that's under that umbrella of racism. So that's why it should be elevated to a high level because you have more than one sin under the, under racism. Then I'll piggyback on that for the last point. Um, my understanding as I'm learning and growing is probably that the only sin that exists is the original sin that was committed against Africa from the first uh, group of Europeans that tried to establish themselves using the, the civilization and the spiritual knowledge of African people. So I want to, and I um, thank everybody for the input. So let's, let's wrap here with, I think that the, the scriptures are not afraid to acknowledge the differences in people. I think that we're just afraid to do that. Um, you see it in the book of Acts when they call out all of the different ethnicities of the people in Antioch, right? They say who they are and where they're from or their ethnic background. They're not afraid to call those things out. Um, and one of my favorite scriptures, and I'm just going to end here, um, is First Peter 2, where Peter, you know, again, highlights the fact that we are different peoples. He says that we were different people and now we have been made one people. We've been made one people, right? We are God's people. And so I think that expecting this godless culture to ascribe or, you know, aspire to godly attributes without with the removal of God. This is what we like to do. We like to remove God and then expect people to aspire to his attributes, which is asinine and actually a little insane because we're doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. If you choose to remove God from the cultural sphere and say, no, nah, man, we good with that. Back up off me with all of that. But then you need to aspire to his attributes. That is, um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's going to produce no fruit. Um, I think that we can be different and we can, you know, enjoy our differences but the moment that we choose to, you know, impose our differences upon one another and then say, because of our differences, you're less than me and you deserve less than me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think that is when we kind of veer off from, you know, celebrating the fact that we may be different, but we can be unified to now denigrating one another and saying that each other is less than and I so I want to thank everybody who joined tonight all of the dive media crew I do appreciate all of you guys um, for joining in and making your input um, and everybody listening um, if you have any questions or comments please hit us up um, our website again is divemedia.co and we're on all social media platforms at this is dive media so once you hear this, it'll probably be two parts because we got a little long-winded, which is fine. Um, but once you kind of take in the breath of all that we discussed um, and you have any more questions or you don't agree, right? you may say, look, I wasn't feeling none of that. Hey, hit us up. Let us know why. Let us know why you're not feeling it. Maybe it challenged you on some things in which you may have believed before you listened. Maybe it confronted you or offended some of the things that you held dear. Um, and if that's the case, then we stand by a lot of, the, of what we said tonight. All right. So with that being said, we do appreciate everybody for rocking with us. And y'all know how we do, whether we're talking about racial injustice or the founding of this nation, all the way back to the original sin. You know, we're going to keep God in the mix. So for everybody listening, this is AJ Sandeep. How you living? Ooh, now you listen. Can't see the kingdom with these isms. We live.
Yeah. 